This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Welcome back, my peers, to another episode of the Peers Project podcast. Today's guest is someone who I really admire for their ability to continually challenge themselves, to take the leap into the unknown and work to create the sort of career and lifestyle that they find most fulfilling. Who is this go-getter I'm talking about? Well, he goes by the name of Bryn Chadwick. Photographer turned bots specialist, Bryn is a creative at heart. And although he may come across as chilled out and carefree, deep down, he has a strong determination and motivation to make things happen for himself. I was fortunate to interview Bryn several months ago here in Melbourne and learn of his journey and his story from New Zealand to Melbourne to New York City and Vancouver and how it all panned out for him. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Bryn Chadwick. Bryn, welcome to the Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you. Of course. So, you know, you reached out to me over LinkedIn um, and when we jumped on a call and I heard about, heard about your story, I was super intrigued by you and, and what you're doing. Uh, so I knew I had to interview you. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. But before we go into you and your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Oh, where I grew up. So I guess I was born like a little bush town in the middle of Australia. I think it's called Karatha. But like I've never been there and I think my father left with my mother like when I was like three. And um, I believe it's like a big mining town and there's like a lot of money to be made when you're a young man with a trade. So I feel like that's probably why my father went over there and like who's from New Zealand. So apparently people sort of do it all the time. Obviously go to WA, there's like money growing out of the ground from what I'm told. Um, So essentially that's where that happened. And then I moved to a little town in New Zealand called New Plymouth for a little bit. And I feel that's where my father's from, what he is from there. Then we moved to Australia again when I was like 14, 15. We went through high school there and then I moved back to New Zealand for university. And then I realised there's not much to do in New Zealand after university. So now I moved to Melbourne. And yeah, that's sort of like, do I stop there? Do I keep telling more? <laughs> I love this. I, I keep yeah, going so back gonna, and forth a lot. No, it's great. We're going to go even deeper. But this <laughs> is great. So, okay, so you were kind of rural Australia and then to New Zealand. Your yeah. father was originally from New Zealand. So interesting. So what was that like for you, I guess, growing up like a kid, you know, rural Australia? Um, I don't I remember imagine. it, to be you honest. You don't remember it? No, okay. but like I feel I still have a New Zealand accent. Everyone's like, you're from New Zealand. And like <laughs> I can say, yeah, sure, but 
sort of not really mm. I've gone back and forth and I could tell that story again but like sometimes it's just easy to say yes mm. there you go okay so when you went back over to New Zealand and you were you, know, you started uni I saw you went to um, Macy University uh, you just did like commerce degree which is awesome how was what was that experience like for you how did you kind of find that time um I think it was just a time to like find yourself as a young person I feel I didn't even know what I wanted to do but I know I wanted to like have an experience as a young man I can interact with kids outside of school I just wanted to leave home hey Hmm. and like the Sunshine Coast is a very boring place Hmm. and so to go to like a bigger city at the time and just hang out with friends and like I feel that doesn't have a lot to do with what I do now but Hmm. I feel it was more of a self-discovery or something like that I guess you could say yeah um but yeah it was a lot of like not doing much in first year then realizing like if you're serious about this then you've got to do it and I feel like I didn't want to be one of those kids that dropped out whether I wanted to do it or not, I just sort of got it done, but I feel it has nothing really to do with what I'm doing now. Mm. It's so interesting. I find it fascinating how we kind of go down these career trajectories because we're kind of almost told that this is the way to go, you know, you know, good university and then, you know, study a traditional degree. And, you know, I mean, I did the same thing. And I think it's fascinating that kind of when you finish, you almost walk out going, what? not what was that for but that was really interesting what do I actually want to do now yeah I don't feel there's a lot of guidance in high school like my careers guy was useless and I could say other words but I probably shouldn't but I feel like he was getting paid really well and he was like the nicest chair Mm. in the whole staff room and I felt like he didn't do like for lack of a better word shit for a lot of us and like just pushed us in one direction he'd be like if you want to go to the University of Sunshine Coast do this but that was about it. And if you're not that smart, you should do a trade. Mm. And there was no really like, you didn't really get to explore anything. It was like, oh, you should go to uni because everyone thinks you should go to uni or like just do a trade. Mm. And then like you find out later on, most of your friends that do trades are more wealthy than you anyway because they figure out how to build houses and like create a little portfolio. And it's actually a very tangible career. But in school, it felt like it was like, if you're dumb, you do a trade. But now I almost feel like if you can be very like smart businessman, it's like that's a... We need houses, we need plumbing, we need toilets. Like, that, they're not going anywhere. Very true. Yeah. Very true. So what advice would you give to one of our peers out there listening? Maybe they're in final year at uni or maybe they're, you know, they've got this idea, they're not too sure, they've kind of gone this tra- down this traditional trajectory. Yeah. Um, you know, what would you... Oh, what advice like, you I feel like the younger self would have been, like, anti-capitalism, like, stuff, everything, do what you want. But, like, I feel like you should do something like that you want to do essentially but I feel like a bit of like not diligence or like a little bit of like uni teaches you how to like stick to something more so than the content that's in it like the content's generally irrelevant and most of the time kids teach themselves the best stuff on YouTube now but it definitely teaches you to stick to something but then in saying that like I feel like some of the smartest people I've met have like driven themselves from something deeper than just going to uni and they just use YouTube as a way to educate themselves but advice I don't know like do what you want (laughs) love that love it and do what you want you did straight after you knew actually during uni you started your freelancing photographer uh, filmmaking business I guess you could say Um, where did that come from where did that desire to do that come from and yeah so I did like other short course like in photography because that was kind of more fun Mm. at the time as well and that was like a diploma or something very basic but it was like that was more fun essentially and if I was at uni 
to more or less have fun and do something, why not do something fun? Because I didn't really have much career advice at the time. I didn't realise commerce or photography, what the, they sort of waited like when you walked out with, to job opportunities. I didn't know that then. So that was fun. And like, I guess it was just about like annoying people because that felt like the only way to get in the door. Like, and like, I very learned very early on there's like definitely two sides of the coin where it's like do you want to be an artist photographer or do you want to follow a commercial route mm-hmm. and as well art was cool like art doesn't pay the bills so you're like a lot older and you know your art's done the time and history and people start reflecting on it and then that's when it really starts holding value mm. yeah awesome so Okay, so talk to me about this commercial side of things. You realise you have to go down the commercial route of what you're doing. Not yeah. a bad thing at all. So, I mean, you you did work for some pretty cool people. I think I saw, like, LinkedIn. Oh, yes. Um, this yeah. is definitely later on. This is definitely, okay. like, after, uni- after that, I came, obviously came to Melbourne and was like, cool, want to freelance, there's more opportunity because in Wellington there was nothing. Mm. And then that's sort of what led me to go to America and New York, and that's when we started working for, like, LinkedIn and mm. Ford and... Like we talked about that Forbes 30 under 30 stuff Mm. and milk and those fashion photographers because there's just a lot more opportunity there, right? Mm. And there are a lot of Australians there doing that and I feel you just have to know one and by chance sort of walking into a random studio on Greenpoint. I was like, I hate working for this lady and they're like, try this person in Manhattan, which happened to be milk. And then they just sort of, it sort of went from there. Mm. And all you have to do is show like diligence and keenness. And I mean, if you're on there on a traveling visa, you're gonna um, you're gonna sort of put yourself out there because like you've come so far, you know. Mm. No, I love this. It's awesome. I've got so many questions that come to this. Obviously, you and I have had chats before um, for the interview about our our trajectories and mm. what we've mm. done in the states. Um, but I guess backtracking to. When did it go from just, I'm just taking a couple of photos, I'm trying to hustle, I'm yeah. still at uni, to I'm moving to Melbourne, taking this seriously, and potentially moving overseas to New York and whatnot? Oh, okay. So I feel I definitely pissed around here for a while and worked in like a furniture place, and then they want to do photography on the side. Mark Tucker, I don't know if you know that. He has nice furniture, a little bit overpriced, but he's a good guy. And like, he gave me the opportunity to do like half working in furniture, like building, designing furniture, and half doing all the photos for the e-com and stuff. And then I did a bit of assisting when I could, but because assisting's so sporadic here, you only get like one or two days a week. And with a full-time job, it's kind of hard to like tell them you want every few days off. So I guess from there we would go. I met this guy who like offered me wedding gigs and weddings pay really well. So like you do like a wedding and then you can do whatever you want during the week. And that allowed me the free time to sort of develop that. And then so I essentially moved into that full time from there. But like weddings definitely sustain you at the start to be able to get proper clients because having a day job and doing the odd one or two days sucks. Mm. So how do you give us some advice around that? You know, one of our peers out there listening who's like, I'm good at photography or I'm good at... I don't know, selling stuff or I'm good at marketing. Like, how do you go from, I'm pretty good at this skill. I've got this skill to like, okay, cool. I want to freelance and I want to actually kind of turn that into kind of something that I want to do. I would say question. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I would say find something that like is not too hard on the mind. Mm. Like, you know, it's not going to stress you out three days a week. That's going to pay the bills. And then, you know, keep yourself fresh for those extra days in the week. And like I could say work hard, stay up all night, but like I didn't always do that. Like I want, it was like trying to find a balance and like you can do something irrational and quit your job and say you're going to go full time, but then like you'll probably burn out. So there is weighing that up and I feel like I did do that a couple of times. I'd crashed out and then had to go back, but 
I would say find something that can sustain it or find someone who needs photography in the work that you do. Like I said, I work for a furniture company, but how do they get their photos online? You know, hey, I'll work for you a few days a week. Give me a couple of days a week to take the photos for your e-com store. And there are a lot of bridging jobs now, I feel like. They'll be like designer, photographer, slash, you know, find something like that so at least you can stay focused on that skill set. It might make you hate photography, but at least it'll, like, test you to whether you want to bridge a gap from there. Mm-hmm. Love that. Awesome. Okay, so... I want to hear of the progression from Melbourne, um, you're taking this kind of full-time to, to New York, to Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Um, crazy, awesome travels. You've done Sydney, Brisbane. Talk to us about that progression from, okay, now we're full-time, we're taking this seriously, and now we're heading overseas with it. Okay, so I feel like there's a point where I was doing full-time here, but it, it wasn't, it, commercial didn't wasn't fun, you know, and I lost that, like... Um, taking photos of people in the street, doing cool stuff like documentary photography. It's like not really become why I started doing photography at this point. And I'm just sort of paying the bills and like I'm smashing lights for big photographers and they're yelling at me saying I should have stayed home. I'm like, this is draining. Like you've got insurance. Like don't take it out on me. Like just because maybe you haven't got to where you wanted to in your career. Um, So yeah, I was doing that and working for a few photographers in a few different film companies because like to sustain photography film started coming into photography cameras and then film started becoming better paid and like mm. I felt like I started jumping around there a bit and then essentially that was going well and then um, wedding season ended and all the good <laughs> stuff started ending and I like had too much good time in summer and I was like oh my god I gotta get out of here <laughs> rent is too expensive and then I ended up going to New York for like a I don't know get away from Melbourne for a bit trip this is too much and then when I got there I was like what am I doing like this is the best city in the world to do photography and then I just got on Craigslist and started hitting people up um, like exaggerating the portfolio a little bit as you do and just sort of like going in and doing random jobs for random photographers in the middle of nowhere and then I happened to actually walk into a studio and another Australian lady was in there and she was like, hey, you've got to be working at this studio in Manhattan. It's the best one, milk. People might disagree with that and think spring is, but it's essentially the, the, the studio you want to work at if you want to work for any big photographer because then essentially you'll work there and assist their assistants on the big shoots, whether it be Burberry, New Yeezy season, whatever. You get to talk to all the photographers and at least their assistants and they have parties and it's insane. Okay, so you're in New York, like arguably, I mean, I agree, best city in the world, a crazy opportunity. You know, you walk into this room and this Australian woman's there and she's like, you have to go to, to yeah. work and milk. Yeah. Um, it's the best of the best. So what do you, you know, for, for our peers out there listening, what do you do when an opportunity like that lands? How do you chase that up? How do you make that happen? Like, It's all well and good for her to say, great you have to work at this studio but like how did you make that happen so like when you someone else there she's like I might have his email and you just email them and like they've mm. got so many intakes like that place doesn't close like it works almost 24 hours a day seven days a week so they always need people mm. it's just whether you pass like the shit tests and they like throw you in the deep end and like you have to work from like they call it intern for like a week or two but it's really just to like see if you're useless or not and like they'll just make you do crap stuff, like picking up really heavy, like big like stage panel things and like annoying studio stuff and like big lighting equipment and just sort of make you carry stuff around and like just sort of always doing something, like looking busy. And if you're not looking busy, they're like, you're out of here, you know? And essentially they just want to test like your endurance because it essentially is like a labouring job really with a cherry on top, but you just, yeah, that's me being cynical. But like 
yeah they just want to just make sure you're right and like if you've got good work ethic and like you're sweet there like most of the time people be like I didn't do that because my manager didn't tell me to do it and it's like it doesn't matter like it was broken so if you just have that sort of attitude I feel you get kind of far in that city mm. so where do you think this um, this attitude of like persistence it seems that you've got diligence you know going after what you want or where do you think that comes from and do you think it's something that can be developed yeah I like I feel like growing up, like my father's always very hardworking and they were, it's very like engineering, like tradey. I'm like, ooh, photography. And they're like, oh no, like hands and like they're just like, oh. So I feel like I was always determined to be like, I'll show you, like <laughs> you can do what you want in this day and age. Like it's different now, but I don't know. I'll do, I don't know. I want to do something fun in the end. Like you want to create stuff that's like tangible and like looks fun you don't I don't know I don't want to be digging holes for the rest of my life like I want to do something that either helps someone or is just like enjoyable enjoyable lifestyle even if you work it's not about working hard like working hard's fine because hopefully that pays off right mm. you know something that we can all take away from that is that it really is just like if you have that goal if you have that vision that you want to do this thing that maybe seems a little bit different it seems weird to your parents yeah, everyone's yeah. like what's up but you actually believe in it and you go okay cool I'm going to make this happen then you can get there which is so cool to see from your story um awesome cool. it's not it's not too like just do what you want man and it'll happen <laughs> it's not like that because I don't want to come across like that no it's it's all cool we, we, we see the you know yeah you just got to have a vision like I don't want to be saying that I might have just said that but <laughs> Um, okay, love it. So I want to go into um, when you got into Milk, it was all happening. You were there for, I think, seven months. Um, talk to us about that experience there. And then when you had that shift from like, is this, is what, this I what I want to be doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I saw people working, guys who had sustained that same lifestyle of like working really late nights, working around the clock. You get to travel, do this amazing thing. You, your friends start becoming models and stylists and people within that industry and it seems very like glamorous and it is and it is fun. And you get to see ASAP Rocky or, you know, Coldplay play in the Milk Studio and Salt and Pepper play at the Milk Makeup launch party or whatever it is. Um, I guess after a while you see the people who like because it feels like you're going to go work for someone like that and like that's very achievable but like you see the guys working for those people and they may have really cool clothes and they might be like 31 but they still might be only essentially doing what you're doing just getting paid more and I was like oh I, was like, I don't want to do that and then it's like at that point I feel like your life's so consumed by chasing that goal and there's all these people around you and you're living the lifestyle that there's like you sort of lose sight on taking photos and there are a few people that can sustain it and their goal is to shoot photos and they do really well but for I feel a lot of people there was that chasing this like end goal of getting to work for like Testino or Merton Mark or some big fashion photographer and I was just like at the end of the day even if I am Merton Mark like I still got to turn up and take photos like my name is my brand like I can't get some like some people do have other people take photos but they still got to turn up and then the, obviously the LinkedIn job so like in between the milk stuff I was doing film film work for another film crew and that's when we got to do that LinkedIn job in the Empire State Building and it was more money and the crew was a lot younger and a lot nicer and then um, we're interviewing these people about what they do the 30 under 30 LinkedIn specialty people and like they've all just made stuff like they've made ideas work for themselves and the business work for them you know they're not pre-conforming to an idea of what photography is like 
the only way you sort of get up in photography sometimes if another photographer dies but RIP but <laughs> the yeah the, I think the idea of business became more attractive at that point and like I'd love to be, it'd be it's nice to know like you can not be behind a camera and still be doing work and making money and helping people like even when you're not working you know and this whole idea of technology started moving and I was like damn it it feels silly not to get on this mm. super interesting so you're in this room you hear the you know LinkedIn 30 under 30 people speak about their businesses how they've made it work so when did it go from okay wow they're doing this to I'm going to go do this now and I'm going to suss out this tech space and maybe I could create a business like these guys have done when did that happen um, I feel like there's a couple more jumps before that. Like, <laughs> I was going to go to London to do the same thing, and then I ended up going to Vancouver. Mm. And then Vancouver was like, okay, film, like seeing film. I was like, nah, film's away now. And then I was in Vancouver doing film, and I'd only lasted a month. And I got a call from Telstra, and, I was, and they offered me like a similar technology creative role, and it felt like a bridging gap, and the money was a lot better. And I felt like a sellout afterwards, but... It was it was a good time to experience like the shift when Telstra went from a telco to tech co, but like they're still a telco, but they just re- try to make some silly initiative. Um, but I got bored of that place, I guess, as well. And it was good timing when Harley was finishing up my business partner now finishing up his freelancing, and it was just getting a little bit too large. And I had a little bit of exposure to it, and I was was going to go back to Canada. And he was sort of like, "Should we start developing an agency?" And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds way more fun." Love that. Okay, so I want to hear about um, Mayhi. I want to hear about the early challenges you faced. You know, you got, went into this with one of your good mates. Yeah. What were some of those early challenges? Um, I guess the first challenge was we'd been proposed an idea that we were going to start an agency off the side of another product company, who I won't mention, but they essentially offered us like a considerable amount of money to sort of support what they were doing in-house because they just they got funding and they couldn't handle it. And essentially it was Harley. And then I started and we went to Sydney and had lots of nice dinners and went out with a lot of people we've never seen again. And then, like, that was sort of the pretense. Like, it felt like an easy safety net to catch us. We're like, ah, we're getting funded to do this. It'll be easy. And then essentially, like, that guy disappeared and he went off for a bit and we never heard from him. And then we really had to actually start getting clients and doing it properly. So it started from us working from the state library and we're just, like, cold emailing people and, like, started talking to people, like, hey, how do we do this? So a lot of connections from Telstra and other people in business. The, the Telstra Women's Awards, I, was, I think I was at the Telstra Business Women's Awards and I was like, I need a mentor. And, like, some lady pointed out another lady who won the year before called Alicia. Bless her soul. <laughs> and she just sort of helped us at the start, like, got all our compliance in place and, like, what a real business is and told us that we were crazy and think that we were going to get all this money from some guy and like she was like nah 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 and so she brought it all back to earth for us mm. and we just started from there and had like a couple of clients just doing websites mm. so talk to us about what Macy actually is like what work do you actually do so you could call us a digital agency and we did start just doing WordPress sites because that's Harley's background and w- websites became the pretense for a lot of companies right but Beyond that, we still want to do fun stuff and websites aren't always the most fun jobs. They're long and they're slow and they've become like the business card of the digital world. They don't actually do a lot anymore. They're just good to let people know you're there. 
So now we start, we call it like innovative technology or design thinking. I guess we throw around a lot and it sounds a bit silly, but it does describe what it does describe. And so now we sort of look at like what's, what's the digital ecosystem that people live in and what, are, what else can they use, you know? Is it a chatbot to help remove like remedial tasks from businesses, like automate boring stuff, you know, that what PAs have to do or silly email follow-ups and anything like that that can automate your work to improve the experience for not them but also their customers. So how do we have a one-on-one conversation at scale now? You know, how do we let people focus on the things that actually matter in their business and get, like, bots to do the boring stuff or the small tasks? But then we've also done things from, like, virtual reality to help create awareness for White Lion, like the the youth organisation. And I guess now we're starting to explore a lot more about how it can actually help people. And it's, like, very broad term, and obviously a lot of people say it, but... I feel that's when you start really having value and that sort of comes early on in businesses and more of having a holistic approach. So talking to them, being like, what is going wrong? And trying to figure out how technology can solve that as opposed to going in and be like, you need a website, you need an app, everyone's doing it. So it does come back to that design thinking. But that is a long way to describe our company, right? (laughs) You got it. Um, No, this is super interesting. So I think what I find really intriguing about you and what you're doing is the fact that you were a photographer you know that was your skill you were a filmmaker photographer how did you learn I mean clearly your business partner has some tech background but how did you learn like bots and all this high level tech stuff um I feel like bots especially because what we that's essentially what we're focusing on at the moment um it was just like throw yourself in the deep end and you find like conversation they call it conversational design or the way people have a conversation hasn't changed so why should that be any different for a bot you know like just because it's a bot doesn't make the conversation change I started obviously reading about conversational design and things like that but a lot of it became very practical very common sense and like to the point where you would read a script to each other and be like does this sound normal and they'd be like yeah okay I'm all right let's just get someone who's technological whether it be one of the developers to build it you know but there's always a sense of just like post-it notes on a wall saying hello okay what could the response be here I'm good how was your day like it's very like it feels very practical when designing but yeah people can get off track very easily Mm. I get it okay so you have you have people you contract out like developers no they work here they work here oh they work here okay okay right so now and there are a lot of good tools online Mm. now that do it for you like Squarespace for websites there's definitely that for bots okay yeah yeah so you only have to be like half smart (laughs) you just I think the hardest part is trying to sell them to people yeah and I feel that's probably a lot more of my role now Mm. and it's how do we educate businesses to want to adapt this stuff Mm. You know, because you say bots and robots and everyone thinks, it's going to take my job, man. It's listening to me. It's stealing my information. Like, we've got to bring it back so everyone, I don't know, like, they're our friends. Like, mm. if we make them our friends. Mm. Love it. Okay. This is super interesting combo. <laughs> really cool. Um, I think what I'm really intrigued about is taking a step back and kind of looking at this whole, your whole progression and what you've done holistically. So I think um, a question that I'm always intrigued to know is, would you have done anything differently? If you knew what you knew now, would you have done things differently? Uh, Maybe learned how to code when I was younger. (laughs) I think that's everyone's like, (laughs) they get older. And I feel our 
generation is just slightly off like it wasn't really taught in schools it was sort of like extra if you wanted to you could but I feel now technology's become so massive that it's just like pushed into schools from a young age I mean we see tools on the iPad for kids how to code it's very much a part of our education now which I don't think it was when I was a little bit younger mm. there's a lot of pr- really good pra- like you can be a developer and get a job like I feel relatively mm. if you're passionate about it but it is not an easy job to do either and like more on a that's super interesting and more on like a greater scale so like you know you're transitioning from New Zealand through the to um, the US through to Oz like was there anything that you thought looking back like oh I could have jumped at that or are you happy with how it all Uh, like it's fascinating I love this question I feel like I could have stayed in Canada and like got in the film industry and like worked on like the BFG and like big Deadpool and like those movies but I was like there's still old dudes at the top being like you're no matter how good you are man you're gonna do your time so I was like I don't necessarily regret that because I could Mm. still be doing the same thing Mm. and I feel I wasn't always looking for shortcuts but I was like, let's speed this up, you know? And I felt by working for someone else, you're just, like, waiting. Mm. I didn't really want to wait. So I don't, I don't regret it. Like, the experiences were fun. Mm. Maybe, like, nah, I don't know, nah. No, I love it. I love it. And I think that's something that we can all take away, that idea of, like, you know, it is possible to go out there and kind of fast track and, you know, be smart about the situation and, and kind of just own your experiences. I think that's something that... Um, many of us can take away and it's something that can really help you in just in terms of you know be able to progress yourself forward so I find that super interesting something I'm learning from you so yeah super interesting there cool well I think, um, you know, as we come to the close of today's episode, um, I firstly just want to acknowledge you, Bryn. Um, I don't want to take a moment to just appreciate you and all of the awesome stuff you've done over the Too years. Um, no, it's, it's, it's so cool to hear. And I think it, there's so much that we can all take away from your journey you and your, oh, <laughs> totally, your journey of you know, self-discovery, um, which we're all kind of on the path, yeah. on that similar path. So... I really appreciate it. Um, Great. So that brings us to our final question, which is how we finish all of our episodes here at The Pierce Project. And that is, what do you think is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think you'll learn a lot more, a lot faster if you're on the path to self-discovery, if that's where we're going. But I don't know. I haven't thought about that, to be honest. But Mm. I feel like... You just learn what you need to learn, right? Like you grow up faster or you become more content with yourself. I don't know what the value is. Hey. <laughs> they could say money, like I, I'm not sure. So how, what do you think it is? Well, no, I think the value is no one's actually ever asked me. flip it back. I know. I, What's your value? Um, I, <laughs> it's so funny because this is literally like... It's the, the reason why I ask this question is that I think it's so important to figure out what it is that you're actually passionate about. I feel like so many people our age yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, just have no clue what that is or maybe they know but they don't know how to go about it. And so I love asking this question because to me it means like, you know, what, why is it that you go out and do what you do every day? You mm. know, why is it that you decided to move to New York or you decided to start your business? You know, what is the value behind you pursuing your passion? Yeah, and I don't know if the passion's like defined by mm. like photography, tech, mm or whatever it is I just feel like sitting around in one place for too long like it's not you're not going to find it there <laughs> you got to try stuff all the time <laughs> I don't want to be 30, 40, 50 yeah. and still unsure you know I want to find it so like the faster I jump around and look for things I'm sure I'll find it quicker and if I'm trying to find anything at all but hopefully I'm not chasing it forever <laughs> 
I love it. I love it, Bryn. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, where can people learn more about you and your work? Um, I guess just LinkedIn. Is, I post a lot of stuff on there um, relevant to bots and business automation. Um, but you can also, like, there's a lot of stuff on our blog about bots and creating bots and voice assistants and especially Google Home and Alexa at the moment. We're really obsessed with and building apps for people through that because... A lot of people believe voice is the next interface, so I'd be like plugging this, obviously. And um, at mate.io, so it's spelt funny, so it's M A Y T E dot I O, and then just Bryn Chadwick, B R Y double N dot Chadwick, C H A D W I C K on LinkedIn. Perfect. And for thanks so much, Bryn. <laughs> and plug. Everyone else listening, we will end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.